0: Hello, and welcome to JudgeCast. Uh, this is episode 217. I am one of your hosts, Brian Frilliman, and I'm joined this evening by Jess Dunks.
1: Hi, this is Jess.
0: Uh, and uh, we do not have a broken this evening, but we have picked up a Samantha Har.
1: Hello.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Samma.
1: Hi. Hi. You- so, uh today- You say picked up like like she was just hitchhiking and we were just well, like I was thinking like <laughs> hey, do you need a <laughs> ride somewhere? Like
0: <laughs> Yeah, we were just kind of like wandering around and it's just like, oh, just in the middle of the road, there was a uh, a uh, S- sama, a poor lost sama. Yes. Uh, well, well, she does uh can sama, is it is it inappropriate to talk about the the animal that you identify with?
2: Oh, it's never inappropriate to talk about possums. They are they are the best. Um which is is kind of good timing because you could have picked me up on the side of the highway right now. I am in I am in the southeast, despite being from the mid Atlantic.
1: Ooh!
0: So what part? What part of the mid Atlantic?
2: Um, I up until recently lived in DC. I am still technically the area captain for DC, and right now I live in Richmond.
1: Well, and Richmond, Richmond is, is not, great. Yeah, I was going to say that's not DC though. That's that's kind of far it, from DC.
2: That's why I moved there.
1: <laughs> oh <laughs> moved to get away from DC?
2: Uh, is a little expensive and a little traffic-y. Just, it was not my jam.
0: Just a little traffic-y.
2: Just a little. Just a, a smidge. A hint. <laughs> All
0: right. So, uh, Sama is going to be joining us this evening. We are going to be talking about how to run a pre-release. And this is something that... I've done a few pre-releases. Uh, Jess back in, uh, when he worked for, uh, Channel Fireball, he did lots of pre-releases. However, uh, Samma, uh, was a TO for a store where she ran infi pre-releases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's an unbounded number. She is in fact still running them right now. Uh, <laughs> all of them. Uh, it's a, it's a countably infinite set. Uh, so I guess it's possible that someone could, uh, be running more pre-releases than her if they were running an uncountably infinite set.
2: Well since since I have now moved on from my LGS job, you can just think of me as a pre-release spirit that's always with you in your heart when you are running a pre-release.
1: The the Obi-Wan Kenobi of pre-releases <laughs> just like I'll
2: she'll... disappear when you need me most <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> So pre pre-releases are You know, they come out, they come out quarterly and for a lot of judges, they are the best events. Uh, just there's an atmosphere about them that is not like any other event out there. And so what we want to do is we want to do a podcast to help you, the judge, and maybe you, the tournament organizer, uh, run a quality pre-release. Um, now we realize that not all stores are the same. Uh, different stores do things differently, but what we're going to talk about here is kind of the best practices of a generic store, you know, kind of like the, uh-huh. the, the average store. So some, some things might not be applicable to your store, but you know, take a, take a, take a look, analyze it, look at it, maybe consider it. Maybe you will find that it actually would be best for your store to do
1: some of these things. So what you're going to find is whatever we talk about is like the, the pirates code from, from, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's really just more like guidelines. Um, (laughs) Um, Some of it is like, obviously, certain things are set in stone with tournament rules and whatnot, but like every store is set up differently. Like, I've been to pre-releases where they have hundreds of players. I've been to pre-releases where they have 20. I've been to pre-releases where we had, you know, eight show up. And I've been to pre-releases where, you know, it was all in one big room, or I've been in in, in, it wasn't the most comfortable, but I've been in pre-releases where things were split into like three different rooms. You know, Obviously these all have different needs. So if we say something and you're like that doesn't work for me, we'll change it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. So one of one of the things so it's it's coming up. Let's let's take the most current example. While this podcast we do plan on it being one that you could listen to and, and apply what we're talking about to any pre release, in three weeks, uh we're gonna have the Ravnica Alliance pre release. So,
1: oh, is that why I've been seeing all those spoilers for that recently?
0: Uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a few of them. Uh, uh, so if, if we talk about, you know, we've got a pre-release coming up in three weeks. So now's about the time where you as a judge, and maybe you've already done this, should start talking to the tournament organizer about when the events that they have scheduled are and which ones you're going to manage, right? So, so Sam, uh, in your events, did you did you manage the pre releases, or did you have other judges come in? How did that work for you?
2: Um, we always hired a whole bunch of judges because it's a really good opportunity for new judges to handle a large event without them having to jump right into the competitive REL rules. So we we always hired a whole bunch of judges. I would I would mostly help run the event from a TO standpoint, but I would jump jump in and take judge calls as well. And yeah, three three weeks out, you definitely want to know where you're going to be, when you're going to be, because if you if you think you're going to be working for a TO for pre-release and they don't know when they're going to be, then you definitely have a problem three weeks out. So everybody should be kind of getting on the same page right, right about now. Right.
0: So uh, pre-releases, stores can have, depending on their level, they can have two, four, or six pre-release events. Uh, And midnight pre-releases are very, very popular. So sometimes they might have like one uh, at midnight on on Friday or or Saturday morning. Um, They will have two on Saturday and maybe two on Sunday or maybe stick a a third event on Saturday. You want to know what events you're going to be responsible for, uh, specifically the midnight event. You know, if if you're on the hook for that, or you volunteer for that, or you love those type of events, uh, have have any of you guys done a midnight pre release? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh yes, yes, I have. Okay. The very first event that I had judged was a midnight pre release. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm old and value my sleep. I'll do the
0: the the Saturday midday one.
2: <laughs> so as a as a side note for any tos listening to this, and anybody who's going to be head judging over multiple judges. Now's a great time to figure out what everyone's coffee order is for when they run midnight pre-release.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Uh, it's a good I way would- to
2: make sure people come back. Yep.
1: So
0: def- definitely have, have kind of by the three-week out mark, you want to have which events you're going to be responsible for and a rough idea of what the previous events are. Like m- maybe they're large enough to require a second judge, you know. Are you going to be playing at the same time as as serving as a judge? Or are you going to be, you know, a, a floor judge only for this particular event, uh, get the compensation worked out, all that kind of stuff. But you really you really want to have that stuff like nailed down. And the and it provides the TO a comfort factor in the fact that they know that they've got this locked down, they're not going to be scrambling at the last minute.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What are some other things like leading up to the event? Uh, what are some other things that that maybe maybe it's a store that hasn't done a pre pre release before, uh, and you might have some questions about you know actually running the event and what kind of prizes? What well, might be some things to talk to the TO about?
1: Well, prizes. I think prizes are an important one because a lot of a lot of times prize structures can be set up in a way that's that's either too hot, too top heavy or perhaps creates an incentive for for bad things.
2: Prizes are a really great way to sort of distinguish what kind of players you are hoping to attract as an event, Mm -hmm. because if prizes are really high and really skewed towards the top couple of positions, you're going to get the spikier players. But if you are a store that wants the new players, younger players, you know, people that might be a little hesitant to be around high competition, spreading prizes out is a really good idea. So it's good to kind of figure out what setting you were going into.
0: Also keep in, keep in mind that your grinder type players that come in, uh, are probably going to want the, the spikier, uh, prices. And they're also, those people are also going to tend to be the more vocal about what they want. So, mm-hmm. so keep, keep in mind that if you just, if you just listen to what people say, then it might lead you to believe that, like, oh, a top-heavy uh, uh, prize pool with maybe like a top eight or something like that is what the players want. When in reality, it's probably just like four or five vocal players. So,
2: yeah, the the first time you ever have to tell like a seven-year-old that they didn't win any prizes, you're going to change your mind about skewing all the prizes yeah. way top-heavy.
0: <laughs> so. So a best a best practice or, or something that I've seen a lot of success with is four rounds, uh, prizes based on record. Uh, mm-hmm. That that way, what you what you do is it doesn't matter how many players it is. You can sit down. The tournament organizer can sit down in advance, and they know how long their event's going to be, so they can schedule the second event or they can schedule the third event at the in the same day. They also can figure out in advance, regardless of how many players there are what the prize payouts are going to be for that record. It doesn't, it doesn't matter um, how many players you get. If you, if you base on record, because you can just sit down with the, the Swiss triangle and figure out how many, uh, how many, you know, two and twos you're going to have, or how many four O's.
1: Now, I I would like, I'd like to add to that, that um, personally running events, I had success with running four rounds, but I, for the midnight events, uh I always preferred to run a 3 round event because by the time you get to the 4th round at a midnight event nobody actually wants to be there anymore. <laughs>
2: agreed. Completely agreed.
1: Yeah they just everyone's just like want to split. Right. No
2: everybody thinks round 4 round of
1: sounds doozy. Yeah, everybody thinks 4 round sounds great until they get to round 4 and they they the it's just not fun. Like there's a game de- game design concept where you want everybody you want the game to finish before everybody's done playing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and with a midnight pre-release, everybody's done playing three or, three to four hours in. Nobody wants to be there longer than yeah. that. Because mm-hmm. keep uh, in mind, when you're planning <laughs> these things, there's an extra hour,
0: roughly. For building. Yeah. For building. Um, okay. So uh, we mentioned, like, if you run a four-round uh, pre-release at midnight and people are really done at the end of round three, when round four comes around, you're going to get a lot of people asking, want to split Or, uh, hey, I'll, or they might, they might ask something that's kind of dangerous, which is, Hey, I don't want to play anymore. If you just give me a pack, I'll scoop. Okay. Which is bad.
2: Bad. Uh -uh. Right.
0: So is there, is there something, something that you can do if you, if you work with the TO and look at the prize structure beforehand, you can actually kind of help them set up a prize structure where that, that isn't a problem. And and what I mean by that is, if let's say I'm just going to throw out some numbers here, if four O gets ten packs and three one gets six packs, okay, maybe you could make three one one get eight packs. So essentially, when they get into the fourth round, a draw and a split are are, are the same thing
2: this is one of the easiest things you can do to avoid a whole lot of heartache and paperwork yeah
1: yeah it's it, it's very important to make sure that you that you add that in and it's especially important to think about this so you don't end up with a situation where you've got like like i don't know ten and six may not be the pack numbers people use, but like let's say they were and you four0 wins ten packs if you set it up so that your your three one player wins seven packs, there's no good way to split that um and, and so like i while you say it's one of the easiest things you can do that's 100 true it's also the thing i see most screwed up at events is building sure. a price structure where people <laughs> walk into it and they're incentivized to try and bribe their opponent and please please don't do that right and and as far as as far
0: as prize packs go you know the to's Wizards provides in the pre-release kits a certain amount of prize support. Um, And it it isn't exactly like two packs per player. Uh, It changes. Uh, It's a little bit less than that and it's kind of in flux, which when you start looking at a lot of, you know, a lot of players coming in, it kind of uh, messes with things a little bit, so so just just work with the TO to come up with a, a a prize structure, and if they can advertise their prize structure in advance, that might encourage more people to come out. So it's it's a win for everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've we've talked to the tournament organizer. We we know what events that we're gonna do. We've we've helped them massage the prize support to to eliminate any problems. Massage. Yes. That sounds that sounds disturbing. <laughs> Does it? I mean, it sounds like well, you're trying I mean, really to fix think the numbers. About- Like you the numbers a little bit so that it all works out. Uh, is that?
2: I was thinking more literally like actually massaging a boot, you know, a, a box of packs. And that was also really upsetting to think about.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I'm just imagining like Brian is running this, running this pre-release. It's gotta be a midnight pre-release of course. And he's, he's running this midnight pre-release watching all the players while he's just massaging a, a single pack, uh, a, a <laughs> box of, of booster packs. Uh, and staring out over people's games of magic. Actually, actually, I'll just dare people to make eye contact with me
2: while I'm doing getting a little handsy with the with the booster box. So yeah. or you could be like, oh, like what was the villain on Professor Gadget where he just had that white oh, cat that you said bearing pet? Dr. Yeah, like that, but with a booster box. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> I'll man. get you next time, Ravnica.
0: <laughs> okay. So <laughs> anyway. Um, and I'll get you gadget. Um, alright. So, um, so after we've worked that kind of stuff out, what's some other stuff that we need to do, we as judges want to do to prepare for our pre releases, uh, before we walk in the store that the night of?
1: Uh, well, you want to make sure you know the basics of, of the set that you haven't seen before, especially the mechanics.
0: Yep. There's, uh, there are, in Ravnica Alliance, there are five new mechanics. Gross. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, gross is 12. Or 144. I didn't say Ugros. Oh, <laughs> oh, um. So yeah. So it's got five new mechanics, and you want to know because players are going to want to know. They're going to have questions, so you want to be sure that you understand how the primary mechanics of the set work. Um, yep. Something
1: else we can do. Oh well, you can you can read the uh, the release notes, which not only tell you the mechanics, but also tell you some interesting cards that you might. Uh, you might run into um we actually will go over that uh in every single one of our release notes episodes so you could also listen to the judge cast episode for the given set uh that you're about to uh judge for and you will you'll hear a lot of the cards that we thought were interesting going into the set so there's some shameless self-advertising yeah. <laughs> uh there's our one. judge cast reading the faq so you don't have to. you don't have to yeah uh <laughs>
2: They, they really do an, an amazing job of kind of answering common questions before the pre-release even happens. So it really is worth your time to to read the release notes, because whatever they put in there as potential hiccups, you will hear a million times over the course of pre-release weekend.
1: It's true. And, uh, and often the things that I expect to be a big problem aren't actually the thing that's a big problem. So being prepared for kind of everything makes me know that I whatever comes up, I'm going to be able to deal with. <laughs> the, the thing you prepare for is the thing that doesn't
0: happen. So whatever you don't want to happen, be sure to prepare for it. <laughs> That's not exactly what I meant, but we'll run with that. <laughs> I'm taking the inverse of what you said and and making a rule out of it. So if whatever you prepare for will not happen in your event, it's an axiom.
2: Well, there's there's an old saying that says something like luck favors the prepared, and that is certainly true in magic judging.
0: I agree. So so we we we've read the mechanics, uh we've read the the release notes, we've listened to our favorite podcast uh which is this one here. Um what's uh what's something else that that can cha- that can actually kind of change every
1: set or potentially how they're packaged can change mm-hmm. like uh I remember the first time they were had the the guild packs which I think they're doing again for this set. The first time they had guild packs uh in the Return to Ravnica set and the packaging showed up and the way it was packaged was the most obnoxious because there were large boxes and inside of those large boxes were small boxes, and inside of those small boxes was one of each of the five things that you could that you could use. Oh my gosh. And I still
2: have T O nightmares from those boxes of boxes of boxes.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and we had so <laughs> many of those. Now this is one of those things where the size of your event matters. If you are going to be running an event that's got 10 to 15 people, you may not even notice this as a logistic hurdle. If you're at an event that's much larger than that, though, you're going to find that if you don't, if you don't open that product ahead of time, and I don't mean open people's boxes for them, but like just get it out so that you can pass it out. That's actually going to add a lot of time to your event. And it sucks at midnight of the event to add a bunch of time to just sit there and have judges open boxes. Um, so, doing that ahead of time really helps, or at least talking to the the organizer about whether or not that that's going to be done is helpful.
0: Right. And and some sometimes if it's a call it like a like a faction pack, like they've done things where, uh, you know they they'll have a pack for Selesnia and they'll have a pack for Golgari. I honestly don't know if they're doing that for for Ravnica Alliance, but uh, some some tournament organizers will let you. Sign up in advance, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, for the one or, or pre, you know, pre register or something like that. And if that's the case, inventory tracking has to be, uh, a thing. And when it comes to distributing this stuff, you kind of have to have a plan to know, okay, well, these five people signed up for the Selesnia and these five people signed up for, for is it, you know, how are, how am I going to distribute those? Um, am I, am I gonna have all the, all the people from one guild sit at one table and another guild sit at another? Or am I just gonna say like, yo, who got is it? And <laughs> see who raises their hand and toss them out. Don't, don't,
2: the, no, uh, do that.
0: Although yelling out, <laughs> yo, who got is it? Is kind of amusing. And, and maybe for a 12 person
1: pre release, that's, that'll work for you. Uh, yeah, I've, I, yeah, I've done that before where I, where I, you know, at the pre release, I'm just like, all right, who was Azorius? And everybody ra- who is Azorius raised their hand. And I'm like, if your hand's not raised right now, you're wrong.
2: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> right. so you're the Azorius right. person.
0: But if you have if you have something like a ninety person pre release, uh, or if you're one of these then you're gonna have a logistical challenge in distributing that stuff. Also, um, you might wanna consider If you're running multiple events over the weekend and like one pack is more popular than others, you know, you could actually run out before the weekend's over. So these are, these are considerations that you want to have a plan for with the tournament organizer. You don't want to be walking in there at 1130 PM on Friday night, only to discover that there's no plan. Right. Because
2: you're, and there
1: will always, there will always be one that's more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, something
2: yeah. something that helps a lot if you're trying to organize a large amount of people. People aren't always really good at listening to your announcements, mm-hmm. so even if you think you're going to send people to certain parts of the room, um, this is a really great way that the the event kit can can help you. Is um, I think this time around they they've been sending out banners with each with each guild, you know, kind of displayed on it. You can set those banners up to in different parts of the room. And tell people to go to their go to their guild, because even if they even if they have no idea if you said the left corner, the back corner, the back parking lot, they'll know what their guild looks like and can go towards their banner. So really easy visual cues h- help, you know, kind of kind of lose a lot of the the stuff getting lost in translation, mm-hmm, right. lost over big crowds of people shouting at each yeah.
1: other. Right. Then you're not sending Gruel out to the North Forty.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> uh- so what you you can do that um as long as you're you're communicating clearly and you give everybody the you know, what one thing I've I've learned is that giving people the opportunity to say hey I have the wrong pack is is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um if you're like everybody have what they expect to have because when you're he- heading up five different kinds of things you might miss somebody. You know, don't just start make sure everybody's got their product. Um that's that's a like I I don't know how much we can we can talk about the, like, getting started part, but that's, like, the, the. Yep. For any Magic Tournament, getting, the getting started part and the passing stuff out part is the thing that I actually spend the most time thinking about. Like, (laughs) how am I going to make this happen? Because that's where you lose most of your time if something goes wrong. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And, and there's, there's a lot of time. in
0: when you, when you say lose a lot of time, it can just be, you realize that, you know, it starts at two o'clock and you realize at two o'clock that you don't have the stuff prepared.
1: Right. And so you spend, you know, 20 minutes with all the players sitting there waiting for you to do something and they don't know what's going on. And you've created a poor experience and you could have avoided it. Yep.
0: Uh, Also now some some of sometimes pre-releases come with I call it like an additional game or an additional product. And by this, I mean like <laughs> Theros had like some sort of weird little bowling game.
1: Uh, I think, I think dragons of Tarkir bowling. Oh, was it dragons yeah, no, that was, it was dragons. Theros had the thing where you got to play against the Hydra. Ah, right. And uh, then
0: Zendikar had uh, like these cards where you would, you would uh, have achievements and you could open the hell vault and there were goodies in the hell vault. Uh, so there's lots of different events uh, and you kind of want to know how serious you're going to take them. Like, are you going to, are you going to do them? Are you going to create that experience for your players? Are you going to ignore it? How does it, if you're not going to ignore it and you're going to make it a positive experience, how does it work? Mm-hmm. What are the mechanics of it uh, so that you can it
2: doesn't, explain it? It doesn't have to be perfect. like. This is one of those things that if you, if you can make it work, I always recommend making it work because even if you feel really goofy doing stuff like Dragons of Tarkir bowling, players, ironically or not, will think it's the funniest thing in the universe and just let them do it. You know, like this, it will add so much value to their night whether whether they go in realizing that's going to be the case or not. It's it's in my experience one hundred percent of the time worth it. And I think we actually had some like bruises from those dice getting flicked for the for the dragons of Tarkir bowling. I swear to you, people were so into it because
0: they were just trying to like ricochet it off the walls to knock over as many things as possible or.
2: Right. There were specific rules as to like how you had to flick the dice. You couldn't like throw it. But like, oh, man, magic players get competitive about everything. Surprise, surprise. (laughs)
0: I can knock over more little paper figures than you with this D20. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: Basically-
2: the, the dice would be like across the street, like in trees. They're, they're probably still dice around the around the store to this day from Dragons of Tarkir Bowling.
1: Yeah, they gave a bunch of competitive people a throwing game. Like, mm-hmm. this was not the best move.
2: <laughs> I've never quit laughing about that one.
0: <laughs> Rav- Ravnica Alliance comes with axes.
2: <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. Oh Oh, man. Wait, they did give away the the big Nerf um, Garrick axe.
1: Uh, no, that wasn't they. That was uh, not a pre-release giveaway. That was a, oh, was it not? Was a, oh, dang. no, I've got one of those actually. That was it was part of the, the planeswalker kit from Comic Con in 2014, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm insanely jealous. Uh,
1: of my axe.
2: Yeah, that's the coolest thing ever. So,
1: all right, so- yeah, I haven't even I've never even opened it. It's still it's still minted box, so. Uh, one thing. Maybe one of these days, I'll pull it out and hang it over the mantle. One, <laughs> one, thing,
0: and this is this is kind of a cool thing for less for judges and more for tournament organizers. Uh, sometimes the the hype products that you get uh, for the various sets from from Wizards are actually pretty cool, and maybe maybe you want to make them a, a a prize at the pre release or maybe a later tournament. Like I remember the uh, the airships from Kaladesh. Uh, that were, that were distributed to tournament organizers. You know, they put them together and, and hung them up. And then when things were, you know, towards the end of Kaladesh, they actually made those things prizes for tournaments. Uh, which are, I mean, they were really cool looking.
2: They were beautiful.
0: Right? And like the effort to put those things together was easily, you know, like 20 $30. It's like more complex, mm-hmm. more complex than putting a bicycle together for your kid on Christmas Eve. <laughs> Says the voice of experience. Says the voice, or dollhouse, or trying to install the hard drive in a new laptop. You know, stuff like that. Uh, all right. Why are you trying all to right. install a hard drive in a new laptop? Uh, <laughs> because getting it with a solid state drive. I mean, what well, you asked. Uh, oh yeah, it-
1: no, it's much. It's much cheap That's true. It's much cheaper to buy the solid state drive separately these days than yeah. Okay, right. That makes sense. Right.
2: Wow, what nerds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, bet, bet you weren't expecting. Hi, you you called in for uh, judge tips, and instead you got uh, computer upgrade tips from this old man. <laughs> well, you get your solid state hard drive separate. I,
1: just got- like the next the next Bob Villa, like this old house, but it's for computers. Like- right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to take this this t- this Tandy Radio Shack eighty. We're going to turn it into a real computer. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: So- well, speaking speaking of old technology, it was not long ago I actually texted uh, Priliman to ask him a question about how um, how tape players work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, yeah. Here, here's the I'm going to share share a, a a frustration with upgrading the the laptop. Okay, if you um, if you on the bottom of the laptop put a whole bunch of screws around the the outside of the uh, the frame to unscrew to take the laptop out. And then you decide, in under one of the four little feeties, the little rubber boots, to put another screw, you're an evil person. (laughs) Because I couldn't get the back off, and I was just like, well, what's going on? There must be screws. And I removed two of the feet, and there was no screw hole. Um, So I was like, oh, well, clearly it must be something. Nope, nope, nope. It was one screw hole under one of the feet. I hate you. Wreck. Asus or whatever. <laughs> all right. You got got. All right. I got got. But you know you know how you can also get got at pre-releases? Forgetting that you're going to need land.
2: Oh, ouch.
0: Yeah.
1: That is the worst. I did that at an offsite PTQ once. It sucked. Yeah. It was, I mean, we had an hour to fix it and we fixed it. But like, yeah, it was rough. It was rough. When I turned around and I was like, all the players are building. Oh, crap. We don't have land.
0: <laughs> yeah, but so it's that's a horrible thing to be trying to figure out a half an hour before the event's supposed to start. So, you know, make sure that there's a plan to 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 get land. Now, if your store typically all, you know, has a land station, great. Just keep in mind that the demand on land is going to be exceedingly high that weekend. And you're not And you
2: probably won't sure. get them back.
0: <laughs> and one color, for especially for sealed events, like one color is <laughs> going to get hit pretty hard.
2: For whatever right. reason, white was the one we always ran out of. It was always white. Yeah, t- t- land is land is one of those things that's really difficult to solve last minute. So the the earlier you can make sure you have a plan in place, the better. Yeah,
0: it it is like like not fail, or failing to have the product ready. You can take it's not ideal. You can take twenty minutes and get the product ready. You can't take twenty minutes and make land.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, that's. That's uh, uh, not an easy thing to do. So, uh, so yeah, make sure make sure that uh, that they that the store understands what the the, the land
1: demands could possibly be. And if, do the go ahead. No, please go ahead.
2: Do the pre release kits come with the big boxes of pre release kits come with um, land stations now? Because I don't know if they always have or if they did sometime.
1: I don't know if they do now. I know that when I was running pre releases, which was some years ago, they did not. But they might now. That's that's possibly a thing they do. I would be willing to bet that if they do, it's almost certainly not enough land.
2: True, true. Uh,
1: so making sure that you have enough land is just, just an important step. Um, along with making sure that you're going to have enough land, if you're going to judge one of these events, and if the store is relatively new to running events or pre-releases, making sure you know what technology they're using or have available is important. Uh, some technologies are optional. For example, you know, I've been to stores where they put pairings on the, on the TV. That's definitely not a requirement. But I've also been to stores that didn't realize that they needed maybe a printer, uh, a, oh, or, a, or, or even a computer to run the, the, the pre-release. Um, well, that's, that's, You actually do need something to post pairings and you do need something to, for, for, you know, running the event. And if they're new to the events, they may not even know that. So just making, just a quick double check. So you've got a computer and a printer that we can use for this, right? Uh, they might go, do I need that? Or they might go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got that. That's fine. Uh, it's an easy question to ask that probably you don't need to ask, but just in case, please ask. Right. Uh, And
0: a, and a corollary to that is, is the computer that you're going to be using the same as the computer they use for ringing up sales?
2: You oh, yeah, know, good point. It doesn't.
0: It doesn't. You know, knowing that fact doesn't necessarily change how you're going to approach it because obviously you're going to have to wait for them to to finish the sales. But it does um, kind of just inform you as so that you know you going in what to expect. You're like, you might not have your little station to do work in. You might be sharing it with somebody else and you're a, you know, a second class citizen at that computer. <laughs> um.
2: um, Some, some further minutia is make sure you have things like, like tape and paper. Those are very easy things to forget when you're confident going in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A, a lot of things run out very quickly. Um, another point about posting pairings. If you are printing out hard copies of the pairings, This sounds logistically very easy, and it is, but I think it's really important. Post them in the same location every time, and if you can post multiple copies in the same locations every time, do that. Because people tend to crowd up around one single area. If you can split the pairings in different places across the store, you'll have a lot less traffic jam. You'll be able to turn your rounds over much quicker.
1: Uh, Another tip for turning over your rounds quicker at a local game store: most local game stores have a contingent of players who like to stand outside and smoke in between rounds. Uh, Going, just having a way of letting them know that pairings are up, whether it's sticking your head out and and uh, you know telling them pairings are up, or you know if it's next to a window, you could even post pairings that they can see from there. Uh, (laughs) Then. You know, th- customer that
2: will, service. Yeah, that will,
1: I, that will actually help you uh, help your event go faster because then you won't be corralling as many players when it's time to start the round. I, I have posted pairings at
0: PTQs and stuff like that. Posted pairings on the window facing out <laughs> outside.
1: It's yes, just, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 great.
2: You're over here thinking in thirty nineteen. <laughs>
1: Just post pairings for the for that for that crowd of people that's it outside,
0: yeah uh, well I mean <laughs> at, at a large enough event, there's enough of them yeah uh, i I judged actually in one place that had a a microphone set up and the and you could f- turn on the speakers outside
2: oh that's so cool right.
0: i was I was like, have I died and gone to gone to event running logistic heaven? this is amazing.
2: <laughs> I want a megaphone really bad, and no one will ever buy me a megaphone. That's
0: probably a good idea.
2: Not I to, can't imagine why. Yeah, that's wise. <laughs> oh, I'm
1: All just right. imagining you now with a megaphone and a big Garrick axe, just like shouting and swinging it around.
2: My brand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Um,. So not not we we've, we've been talking a lot about posting pairings. Some stores, you know, if they have a small pre-release of twelve twelve people or so, it's not strictly necessary to do things like post pairings and print slips and stuff like that. However, it does add a, a feeling of like a, a like a I want to say like an aura of legitimacy. But it 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 you provide it is a customer service thing uh where you're you're presenting something that is fun and fair but also it's not haphazard it's professional it's you're not calling out pairings and uh uh from behind the counter and just saying like ah find your opponent and play um so so that is a that is a thing to to keep in mind that you you can do even if your event is very
1: small well par- pairings and table numbers to go with the pairings are an important thing for an event like a pre release because you're more likely at such an event to have players that don't know each other. If you have a store where you've got the same 10 players that show up to FM every week, you might not use table numbers because when Joe sees that he's paired against Emily, then he knows that he could just find Emily they could, because they know each other they know where to sit. But if somebody comes in who doesn't know all of these players and they see that they're paired against somebody they don't know, it's very hard and kind of awkward for them to find their opponent. So things like pairings, table numbers, match slips, these all seem like things you maybe not won't need for a small store, but they're really nice touches. So if you're a TO or you're a judge working with a TO, it's a really good idea to have these things.
2: As a as a quick addition to that, match slips are a great way to remember your opponent's name because they will introduce themselves and you'll immediately forget mm-hmm. what their name is.
1: Yep, yeah, that's I've gotten into the habit now of just writing it down. Like,
2: right. Not, so- not because you're rude, just because that's how the human brain works. And you can just, you know, take a quick peek at the match slip and be like, oh, yeah, it's Emily or it's Joe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Uh, so these are these are things that you want to do before the event. Now, the last thing you want to do before you show up for the event, you, you know, you've read the FAQ, you've looked at your, uh, your mechanics, you've talked to the T.O. about prizes. And this is especially true for the p- midnight pre-release. You want to get some rest. Like, mm-hmm. especially if you're one of these people that you're doing the midnight pre-release and then you're doing the, the the noon pre-release and then you're doing the 5 p.m. pre-release and then the two-headed giant that day, you know, you want to get as much rest before this marathon kicks in.
2: If you're the kind of judge that does all those events one after another, then I have no advice to give you. You're on another plane of existence than the rest of us.
1: <laughs> that that was me uh, some years ago that I don't want to numerate. Um, the, but yeah, I, I was, I was the guy I would go to, I would uh, head judge or judge whether head judge or not. I would judge the midnight pre-release. Then I would play in a 10 AM pre-release. And then I would judge like a 1 PM pre-release uh, or whatever time it was, the so two or three or whatever. <laughs> and and then I would judge like two events on Sunday. And like, I was just like, that was the weekend where I just went crazy. Uh, And I now look at opportunities like that and I see judges do things like that. And I'm just like, Ooh. no, no, I don't want to do that. Ew, I would have passed
2: away. <laughs> I would have passed away like a third of the way through that easily.
1: <laughs> oh, we went, we went hard. I would, I would uh do that. And the, the only sleep I got because the, the event at that time that the store that I went to to do this was like an hour away from, from where I lived. So, we would actually just take a nap in the car. Uh between like the midnight event and the morning event. They
2: Oh Southeast judges. <laughs> this
1: was this was in California at the time, actually, so South. You, judge yeah. you were a Southeast judge
2: over you were a Southeast judge over there too in your heart, I bet. The
1: the
0: <laughs> large the large pre-releases. I loved those. Uh, those, those were a, a, a hugely different animal. You know, those had a, a kind of a convention feel to them.
1: And when Are you referring things- to, are you referring to like way, way, way back in the yeah, day? Yeah. It was just yeah. like, so I, I never judged any of those events. What, what Brand's talking about is that, well, long, in the long, long ago. <laughs> the uh, long, long ago. The long, no, this is the long, long ago. Um, the pre- way back machine. The way back machine. Uh, pre releases were not run by stores. They were run like Grand Prix where there was just one big organizer that would run uh, a regional pre-release. During this long week ago, uh, I actually went to the Onslaught pre-release. And in order to get to the nearest pre-release to me, I had to drive eight and a half hours. Oof! What? Uh, and uh, I had to go from Great Falls, Montana to uh, uh, Seattle, Washington, which is, was, I think, about eight hours, a little more. And... Uh, it was crazy. Yeah. That was how pre-releases worked. It yeah. was so, just this
0: big so giant convention. It'd be it'd be like a uh, uh, the TO would have to rent like a hotel ballroom out. And what it would be is <laughs> it'd be you got thirty two players. You launched a flight, go, and as soon as the next one filled up for thirty two players, you launched that one. And it was just, just
2: that's amazing. A, con-
0: a constant there where there was sealed, there mm-hmm. was draft, <laughs> there was uh, there was the occasional open dueling. Uh, with, uh, with, uh, like towards the end, they, they did like uh pre-constructed decks that had like a pack in it. So you could do open dueling with those and Uh it had
1: this, they they would have drafting a player side drafts all day. Yeah, it was, people would just get in there
0: and and it was just this huge convention feel. It was, uh, absolutely amazing. I loved it. it. It had, it had all of the great fun of a, of a GP, you know, just you know, be, being with other judges, a large large event, and all of the fun of a pre release, and everybody was having a great time, and and we don't have those
1: anymore. And I'm I'm in my nostalgia.
2: I think that despite, sounds amazing. It, it
1: was amazing, but despite his nostalgia, I actually think pre releases are in a better place. They were they they give more exposure to more people at a local they, level than they, than they ever
2: did. They are. They're so good for game the, the stores. The fact that
0: you can, the fact that, and that's why they made the change. The fact that I can drive ten minutes and play in a pre-release versus right. you know
1: just as eight hours, uh, right? Is, is and also I was sixteen right. and may not have told my parents I was leaving, so that didn't go over well.
2: Oh, uh. <laughs> dang yo! Um, the first pre-release I ever saw with my own eyeballs was Journey into Nyx, um, mm. and I I had not. I didn't really have a good concept of what Magic the Gathering was at that time. And I remember just being overwhelmed by how crazy the whole thing was. So, so I would love to see like one of the big regional sort of pre-releases. That sounds insane.
0: Um, yeah, all it, right. it, was, it, was, it was fun. So, so now we're going to kind of skip over. So the day of or the, the night of, you've already made your plan how to pass out products. So, so really up until this point, you're just executing that plan. Um. So you've got all the players seated, you've distributed the product. Now you're going to make some sort of head judge announcements. Um, and these are going to be a little different than the head judge announcements maybe that we've covered uh, in the PPTQ episodes, like how to, you know, how to, judging your first PPTQ, we talked about uh, head judge announcements. These are going to be a little bit different because you're dealing with a lot of players that could be new. They don't come out to the tournament stores very, very often. So you need to kind of tailor what you're going to say a little bit to this to this environment. Um, yet at the same time, you have people with packs in their hands and they just want to get started playing.
1: So so that's that right there is the first thing I would say is if all possible, start your announcements before you pass product out.
2: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Because, because
1: once people have packs in their hands, they are not listening to you anymore.
2: Nope.
0: Yep. So uh so some things so what are some things that you might want to include in your head judge announcements?
2: Um things I always made sure to include. Obviously you want to go over things like how long build will be deck construction, how long the rounds will be, how many rounds, all, all the stuff that you're probably used to from doing any kind of judge announcements. However, like, like Prilliman said, a lot of people may not be familiar with the store you're in and you might want to let them know real quick where the bathrooms are, where the exits are, anything like that. You know, if, if you like know there's a 7-Eleven up the street, let them know so that, you know, if at 4am they're still playing and they're hungry, like you know, just little, little things really quick you can do to help ease the night along will be, will be great.
1: Yep. You may want to explain if you're using match slips, what a match slip is because some people may not have seen it before. Yeah. Um, Basic stuff like that the, uh, the You biggest can't add t-
0: from your pool You can't add cards to your pool right. Is another thing
1: Yeah, you can't you know, explain to him how sealed works How building works, etc The biggest thing though Is decide what you're going to say ahead of time And try to keep it as, as short and concise as you can get away with Because you will eventually You only have a few minutes of, of their attention Before you lose it And you really need to, to make it count
2: Also, they may not know what a judge is you yep. you know the the brand new players they may be wondering do you work here or so let them know if you have any problems raise your hand shall judge I'll be over as soon as I can be.
0: So one one thing I've I've experienced occasionally is in a in a set like Ravnica Alliance that has five new mechanics, um, the judge might take the opportunity to explain all five of the new mechanics. Ugh. Yeah. Don't do, <laughs> don't do this. Okay. No. May, maybe pick, like, if there's one that's exceedingly more complicated than the others, you can go ahead and explain that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, for example, uh, in Theros, when Bestow came out, that was a complex mechanic. Sure, you can take a few seconds to explain that, but you don't need to explain how Constellation, in the same set, how Constellation worked. Um.
1: <laughs> Uh, right. Which, which is, which is, oh, or if there's a rata of a card in the set, now might be a time to bring it up. Sometimes mm-hmm. cards are rata before the set's even released. So it might, mm-hmm. you know, now might be a good time to, to let people know that, you know, well, invert, is an invert? Invert says, uh, it doesn't say until end of turn, but really it says until end of turn. Um, uh, and that's a rare, that, right? That kind of thing. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but like, now,
0: while well, you listen to our FAQ, our release notes episode, and you right. know that maybe, maybe this rare and this other rare have a really weird, non-intuitive interaction, you know, you don't need to explain that to the players. That's not going to come up. You can explain. You can explain it if it comes up, but you don't need to explain it to the whole rule. Right. Yeah.
1: the The value is not high on explaining it to everybody. Uh. uh but- go ahead.
2: Another another thing to consider is it's very easy to do this or just you know space out and not think about this but once you're done with your head judge announcements you start the timer for build for you know opening packs and build is to be around don't just go sit behind the counter and wait for the time to be up actually walk amongst the players maybe pick up you know pick up their trash A little bit see what cards they're getting now is a good a really good time for customer service Mm -hmm. it's also a really good time to get questions out of the way before they become problems Mm -hmm. it's also
1: a really good time it's also a really good time to watch for people doing things they're not supposed to be doing like Mm -hmm. adding cards from pre-releases they played in earlier in the weekend um and
2: no ixelon cards allowed
1: no
0: (laughs) Did, yeah. I, did I tell you there was there was one pre release I was at? It was a Theros pre release, and someone in round two played a Boros Charm.
2: Wow, <laughs> Right. right? That's incredible, it was, friend. It
0: was, it was. It was like that. That was in your pool. Wow, that's amazing. Those well. those cards are from different sets. Uh, for the, for those of you at at home. Um,
2: well, he's out there snatching wigs with one of my favorite cards. Just let him yeah. be. Just let him Just, be. It's fine.
0: <laughs> so that's de- definitely something you want to watch out for. And and uh, like like Sam was saying, customer customer service is huge. Like if someone pulled a planeswalker, you know, give them a high five or you know, be excited with the players. Uh, Absolutely. That's that is I I, I can't stress that like. We, sometimes when we're when we're at GPS or PTQs or PPTQs, kind of there's this you know this stoic judge persona that that a lot of people put on. Don't pre-releases is is where you can just be like, you know, just really really happy and really personable and you know laugh around and joke and you can joke around yeah, with the you players can, and get excited for their pulls. You could wear a hat. You can wear a hat.
1: Oh yeah, you can wear a goofy hat. <laughs> Sorry, oh. inside joke. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the, uh, the 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 other than walking around with the players, we're, we're getting into a little bit of the build stuff. But is there anything that we wanted to say that we didn't say about the announcements? Like, is there anything you should announce that we didn't mention? I, I don't know that there is. I'm just asking to be sure we're clear yeah. on the
2: oh. subject. For sure. Um, once you start getting to the end of, you know, your last couple of rounds, if it's round three, round four or later, um, the closer you get to the end of your rounds, you want to start announcing, you know, don't don't offer anybody anything in exchange for a match result. Do not flip a coin. Do not roll a dice. Do not play a game of Yu-Gi-Oh to determine the outcome of a match, either don't split play or Yu-Gi-Oh! play magic.
0: Just don't play Yu-Gi-Oh.
2: Just don't do that yeah, at all.
0: Even like, at home. Like, you know, we say, like, what you you do in the privacy of your own home is fine. No, not Yu-Gi-Oh.
2: It's not. It's not fine. We're here to judge you.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um, The pre-release promo, I don't think that's been an issue for years now. Uh, No, because you could play it now. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be that you couldn't. Uh, Now now you can. (laughs) So... Uh, you might get a question about that. Uh, I'll leave that up to you guys if it's uh, 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 to the, to our fair listeners to determine whether or not that's something that you need to announce or not. Um,
2: okay, yeah, there are a lot of things that players just don't know. And you know, it's, there's nothing more heartbreaking than have someone flip a coin, roll a dice, etc. when they literally just didn't know that's against the rules. And, and there are a bunch of people who are going to be really shy, or it's their first time and they don't want to be the one kid there who's like, I don't know what a planeswalker is. So... Yeah, best customer service face, you're there to make them want to come back and stay a part of our community. Yeah.
0: So you, you tell the players, okay, you can build. How long do they have to build?
1: Well, that's gonna depend on what format it is, whether it's a regular sealed event or two at a giant, but also that number is flexible.
0: It is. So what's what's do we the MTR has a recommended uh, sealed sealed deck uh they recommend 30 minutes for deck construction uh or or they rec- uh, that's the recommended number for sealed deck events that take place on the weekend of a new set release which I would count it as a pre-release uh add 15 15 additional minutes so we're looking at 45 minutes is the recommended number of uh the recommended number of minutes for a single player sealed event uh for two-headed giant Sixty minutes plus the fifteen minutes—that's seventy-five
1: whole minutes. Oof. Yeah, that's long. It is. I don't know about don't, that. Don't don't sixties. Uh, but for but <laughs> seventy-five is better than thirty, which it is what it. they gave us the last time I played Two Headed Giant at a pre-release. Bleh.
2: Not enough. Not enough. Yeah,
1: by <laughs> Speed that, build. Go. You, you haven't you haven't finished arguing over who's
0: going to play green yet <laughs> in three right. minutes. Uh
1: that was not an argument. No one played green. Oh, oh it was it was in the <laughs> car? No it was it was uh it was this last pre-release actually. Oh. Uh, but uh but like we just opened our pool and between us we had like you know seven green cards and they weren't that great. So Yay.
2: So you both played red instead. Yeah. Which uh, is the correct color to play always. It's always you the mean,
0: correct color. To play. I like red. red. Always. You don't need 75 minutes. No. But but <laughs> 45 45 minutes for a pre-release is uh, reasonable for for a per, for individuals building their own uh, sealed pools. That's that's a good number. And you know you might find that fifty minutes is necessary. You know, check check in on check in with the players and be like, okay, how's everybody? You know, you know, at forty minutes left, how's everybody coming? Is everybody going to be ready? Uh, do you need any help? Make sure the land's you mean forty out. minutes elapsed. Forty minutes right? have gone by. Yeah, there's five minutes yeah. remaining.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's that's an important thing to do. Uh, when I was running a lot of pre-releases, I would I would use what I would call a soft time limit, right? Where you go, okay, this is the time limit, so that people have an idea, and you can say, oh, it's you know, the time has elapsed or about to elapse. We need to to hurry it up. But also, I wouldn't. You're not penalizing anybody here, no. right? You're not going to be like, oh, well, you're not done yet, so you're going to get a game loss. That's right. not how that works, right? Or, uh, or but, guess your la- guess your decks just got a bunch of basic lands in it. Let's go, Let's go. right. <laughs> No, just, you just you just slap
2: it off the table.
1: You just let them know, hey, the t- the time is up. I need you to I need you to, to finish as quickly as you can. And uh, you can if if most of the room is still going, you can give more time. You can help people. Uh, if if somebody is particularly struggling, you know they're trying to build a deck and you, and and uh, they don't understand even what they're looking at. Help them. Hey, you should probably play you know with seventeen land cards for example. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a thing people don't know. I've had people come and always we serve for sealed how many lands should I play? Like uh you know, twelve? Hmm. That's not gonna go well for you, friend.
0: Yeah. And at a at a pe- at a comp rel event, you know, if a player comes up to you and and asks you how many lands they should be playing, you don't answer that question. But Mm-mm. but at a pre-release, oh sure. You know, yeah, it's oh this is how many this is kind of the, the ideal baseline for for land spells, creatures you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, well, it looks like red's a good pool. Maybe you should consider playing that.
1: You know, those, that's fine. Um, I like to have, yeah, I like to have uh, fun with the players and I encourage the players to have fun with each other. They can, they can uh, talk to each other about what they're building and that's okay. Um, You know, regular REL is the space for that, you know.
2: This is a really good opportunity for that because the people who build their decks fast in, you know, they're not going to be bored like they would in a a typical tournament because they can go find their friends and be like, Hey, look at this cool stuff I pulled. Mm -hmm. They have really easy things to sit around and talk about while you are helping, you know, the, the guy who's a little new and still trying to figure this out. And while, you know, especially if you've been judging just one event after another, it's easy to get tired and a little overwhelmed. But if you take the time to sit down and help a player who's struggling a little bit, it'll mean the world to them and it'll change their entire weekend. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely worth it. Even if it feels kind of, kind of tough to do yourself at times
1: if you have the bandwidth i highly recommend interacting with players mm-hmm. at every opportunity in this kind of environment even if you know if it, if the round has just started and you know somebody is going oh I, I don't have an opponent and i'm sad because i just wanted to play magic i have sat down split their deck in half and started playing with them like it's good, move. H- That's it's, good. it's hilarious and everybody has a good time like obviously, I'm still going to answer judge questions or do whatever's necessary. That's why I say if you have the bandwidth, but like, <laughs> but like have fun with the players, you know. Um, I've seen uh, I've seen judges do fun stuff where they, you know, oh, there there are several players who don't have an opponent, so they pulled out their phone and like pulled up some magic trivia questions and started basically running a an, an ad hoc game of Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, and oh, that's like, great. there are there are definitely. Ways to have fun at a regular RL that you may not think of. You just got to look for those opportunities because this is not, nobody's trying to get on the pro tour at a pre-release. And if they are, uh, they're in the wrong place. This is, I
2: kind of like to watch them try. This
1: is happy fun time. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the best kind of magic <laughs> for a store. Now, not every store is going to feel that way. I'm sure that there are going to be stores that have more competitive mindsets and that's okay too. If, if you're in that kind of store, you can tailor how you judge to that kind of thing. But but for the new players, man, it's so important to make a welcoming environment for them.
2: Imagine doing so well at a pre-release that they immediately stuck you on the Pro Tour. Well,
1: that's the dream, right? Like,
2: <laughs> like, like I want you to imagine that. <laughs>
1: like, whew. Yeah, like, that's... uh that's like there's only
2: a level of accomplishment. I mean... <laughs>
1: Uh, the only person that's happened to is Chuck Norris.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Judo chopped the the opponent's <laughs> deck in half and then made it onto the pro tour.
0: All right. So, a few a few other things uh do, do you can the players, you know, uh after you've passed the product out and you've announced the build time, you know, uh if the players want to get up and move somewhere else to to build their pools, you know, uh make consider it. It's not necessarily, like, like, the store that you are at might have a concern. Like, they might not want players getting up and moving around and, like, going to the back where no one can see them. But, you know, shifting around a little bit so that you can you can sit near a buddy and talk about the, the sick pool, the sick pulls you got. You know, if, if there's not a reason to disallow it, go ahead and let it happen.
2: Hmm.
0: Uh, also, players... Uh one thing there's this thing called continuous construction. Okay? You are not locked into your deck. Um so a player can create a a white red deck and then realize that they they're just not feeling it and switch completely to a blue black deck and then uh-huh. play that for the rest of the event. That is f- perfectly all right. You know they don't have to. Yeah, as
2: to as long as all the cards, as long as all the cards came in the pool you opened, then then you're okay to play them. Yep. Just no Boris charms from other sets, right.
1: <laughs> or any other cards from any yes, other, or
0: any other cards. Or you know if you trade, like you've got. Now, so things do get a little bit weird if you trade a card in your sideboard for another card from someone else's sideboard. That's kind of we're,
1: we're starting to get into. You know, uh he means you you mean trade is in trade ownership like we're going to yes. do a trade right like yes not yeah so the, those cards become at that point not actually part of anybody's side right and that you want to keep those separate from the rest
0: of the uh, the rest of your cards if that's mm-hmm. if that's the case um uh so just just be be aware of that also what's going to happen is uh, be be on the lookout for that because while it might be a legitimate trade of of ownership, it might also be a illegitimate trade in or, in order to make your sealed pool better. So if you kind of you know, that's also one of the things that you can do when walking around is keeping an eye out for these things.
2: Cheating at pre-release is one of those things that I, out of all the ways to cheat, that's just like I'm the most embarrassed for them that they would do that. <laughs> it feels a little bit that like is so up, isn't it? That's so pitiful. <laughs> So it is. I mean, there's never a good time to cheat. There's never a good time to cheat. But at pre-release, like that's sad.
1: So that's a, so sad. A lot of the players that would cheat at uh, at a pre-release, they fall into one of two camps. they the, either the kind of camp where they're going to cheat kind of anyway, no matter what, mm-hmm. or they fall into a camp where they probably don't understand that this is not a hype. High- High stakes or high profile event, right? Like I remember when I first started playing Magic, uh, and I would practice all week so that I could beat beat people at the FNM because it was a big deal.
2: <laughs> and, uh, That's awesome.
1: And I I was like, oh, this is this is the best thing ever. And I never even heard of a pro tour qualifier for a long time, right? That wasn't a thing that I worried about. So I could see somebody cheating at a pre release, and not saying I cheated at those events, I didn't. But but just mm-hmm. thinking of it as like this is an important thing to them. So while I won't justify cheating, I, I can kind of see why somebody might. That's uh, a good point. Uh, and it's also the same reason that I think it's important to treat uh, all of these events with, uh, with some level of importance. Like you should never treat any event as though it doesn't matter because to the, to some player at that event, it, it definitely it's matters. Right. Uh, it's, I think it's a, it's a, Really big deal, um, especially to Chuck Norris, but not to that person's opponent. <laughs> oh, man.
2: There are a lot of players that literally only come out to play pre-releases. Yes. They otherwise only play Kitchen Table Magic and will never come out for any event other than pre-releases. So, it's, so yeah, it, it, even even these kind of events that are that are mono fun, like, they mean the world to somebody. And it might be your only opportunity to impress them or entice them into maybe trying to come to FNM. So, take it seriously.
0: Right, and 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 this this kind of segues into what what I was kind of hoping to be kind of like one of the the, the big points uh, is is if players are having a good time, they're going to come back. So it's it's the judge is a customer service role. You are there not only to answer rules questions, not only to enter in results into war, but to make the event an event. Uh, Uh that the players are going to be excited to come back. Now, from a business standpoint, if you're thinking about the tournament organizer, okay, your pre-release allocations are based on your previous usage. So you want to be growing, you know, like every, every pre-release, you want to be a little bit, a little bit bigger and you want to keep growing because if you're not growing, you're shrinking right um oh yeah right so so you want you want to be encouraging players to come back you want to be making sure that they have a good time because that in turn will make sure that you have events that are exciting and dynamic to judge
2: even if there's a set coming out that you're not that excited about you know don't miss the opportunity because even if you know maybe there aren't a bunch of cards you want out of the set like there's something to be enthused about even if it's the cool artwork you can you know help sort of decorate the store ahead of time, make a cool playlist for the store to play on on pre-release night. Like there, there's something to be excited about even if the cards aren't your favorite. So never ever miss an opportunity to go above and beyond because like Brian said, it will affect future numbers and right. it's worth it to to pay and, attention. And, and
0: this is this is going to be a, a a bit like of a, a, a L1's um and and L2's are not required to staff a pre-release. Okay, there are no level requirements at a pre-release. The person behind the counter can can air quotes run a pre-release. However, all of this stuff that we've been talking about, you know, making sure that you know the things, making sure that, you know, you know, you understand if there's a problem with were updating or making making sure that the head judge announcements are tailored towards your audience. These are things that a a judge provides to the event above and beyond just the guy behind the counter. So it's, it's one of these things where it's, it's not required to have a level one judge, but these are things that you do that add value to the event above and beyond, uh, what just a dude, uh, uh, can provide. And so you want to make sure that you bring it so that you can continue to bring it at future pre releases.
1: Yep. I think that's, that's a really good point. I think that's a a good place to kind of start leaving off. Does anybody have any final comments they'd like to make about pre-releases before we sign off or anything they wanted to talk about that we didn't hit?
2: Um, not off the top of my head. I think I kind of said probably way too much.
1: (laughs) No, you, you, it's great. I, I think your contributions have been awesome and, and I really appreciate you being on the show. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, Do you have?
2: Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Um, I'd like to also thank Brian for being on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank Um, you, Jess, for being on the show as well. (laughs) And, uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. I'd just like to remind you that you can find our entire archive of Judge Cast episodes in addition to, uh, or rather, including, our learn how to judge section on our website at judgecast.com or you could just download or subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts um and you can email us judgecast at gmail.com or find us on facebook and twitter Uh, that being said i'd just like to say that i'm Jess dunks and i keep it fair
0: i'm brian prillman and i keep it fun that's it it. no more okay (laughs)
2: the end